Okay, it is indeed time for that sentimental journey once again. Thank you for joining us on the I Worked at the Palm Springs Follies podcast. Well, today I'm looking on my wall here in my office, and there's a picture of a man that I had the pleasure to work with my first year at the Follies, someone that I uh, looked up to as a child, as a comedian, not as me as a comedian, but him as a comedian, and watched him for many years on television throughout the 70s, and that is Foster Brooks. Mr. Brooks was the comedian that first year that I was at the Follies, and I always enjoyed his act. And if you look on any of the YouTube clips now, you can, of course, find him on the Dean Martin roasts. They're available. Sometimes they're even shown on television still. Literally, if if there was a television show throughout the 60s and the 70s that presented itself as having guest stars, well, then he was going to be on that television show. You can find him on just any of them, from the Dean Martin Variety Hour to Dean Martin Roast to Carson uh, to Lucy to Laugh-In, all of them. He was on every one of those shows. Now, sadly, Mr. Brooks is no longer with us. He passed away in 2001. He was born in 1912, so... He made it to 89 years old, and he was raised in Louisville, Kentucky, and up until the time of his death, he still had a place in Louisville that he raised horses, a small farm, although he did pass away in Los Angeles. Mr. Brooks was married to Terry in 1950, and they remained married until his death, and I'm not sure if Miss Brooks is still around now or not. I don't know. But I mean... Just some of the shows that he appeared on, The Monsters, The Monkeys, Bewitched, uh, worked with commercials, The Steve Allen Show, The Tonight Show, The Dean Martin Show, of course, uh, The Celebrity Roast, Green Acres, High Chaparral, Hollywood Squares, Match Game. I mean, you name it, he was on those shows throughout the 70s and the late 60s. And some of his movies, let's see here. We had The Late Liz, Here's Lucy, The Villain, Cracking Up, Oddballs, Cannonball Run 2, GoBots, Battle of the Rock Lords, uh, that was a voiceover, and The Giant of Thunder Mountain. Well, Mr. Brooks was known most famously for his drunk act that he performed and told stories as an inebriated person, although he was always a perfectly sober citizen. Uh, in real life. And it was such a pleasure to arrive at the Follies and find out that he was our guest comedian. And at the time, we always had a guest comedian and we had a guest singer uh, slash guest star. And that year, J.P. Morgan was our guest star. And of course, for me as a child of the 70s, that was another great and perfect example of how much fun I was going to have at the Follies and how many of my own personal entertainment heroes I was going to get to work with and see. I've got three really fun personal stories about Mr. Brooks and how I interacted with him. I want to say, first of all, though, when I first arrived there and he was doing the act and Mr. Markowitz would introduce him and then Mr. Markowitz would leave the stage, stage, Foster would always say, thank you, Mr. Jerkowitz. And we got a kick out of that. And I think Riff did too, as a matter of fact, but I'm, if I'm not mistaken, by the end of his run there at the Follies that year, he had cut that out. 
And I don't for a second think that he cut it out because Mr. Markowitz didn't like it. I think he cut it out because it was a show of respect for Mr. Markowitz. Because at that time, I, I think when people came into the Follies initially, they didn't know what they were getting into. It was the fourth year. And like anything for the first three years that had been stewing and, and building up this great show. And that fourth year was when things really started to come and take off a little bit. And I think as they, they wound through that fourth year and things started changing quite a little bit, that everybody felt that difference. And we felt that respect coming on and that we were in something that was completely different than what we thought it was. So that's my take on it. And I'm going to ask Mr. Markowitz about that. And maybe I can get some information from him. And he'll be kind enough to join us on several of our episodes as well. Mr. Brooks was there and uh, Mrs. Brooks. And for whatever reason, one day after the show, I was asked to escort them to the Cadillac dealer. Now, I couldn't give them a ride because I didn't have a car that first year. And the Cadillac dealer at this time was on the Indian Canyon side and about a block away from the Follies. And I can only assume that Franklin Bradley, our stage manager at the time, chose me to to do that escorting service because he knew that I was such a fan of them and, and that it would probably be a personal little joy for me. And it was. After the show was over with, I escorted them down, walked with them down Indian Canyon to the uh, Cadillac dealer. Now, here's another way that you can tell that the Follies was different than about any other theater or place you're ever going to work in your life. The respect that they showed for their performers and for the people that worked there was above and beyond. Just the fact that they made sure that the, the Brooks couple had somebody to escort them and stay with them at the Cadillac dealer while they picked their car up just shows the kind of care that uh, Mary and Riff had for this cast and for this crew and for everyone involved in that show. So I followed them and walked with them to the Cadillac dealer and we sat down. At that time, uh, the car wasn't ready yet, but Mr. Brooks sat there and told me how much he just loved those Cadillacs. He loved, he's, he had always loved driving those giant cars because it felt like he was in command of the road and that he was, you know, safe in that big car as well. And then came the time for him to go, uh, the Car was ready, so he went up to pay and take care of his business, and that left me with Miss Brooks there. And she leans over to me and she says, oh, I just hate these big cars. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, Mr. Brooks seems to really enjoy them. And she says, oh, he has, he has. She says, I just want something smaller and luxurious. Uh, I've always wanted a Mercedes-Benz. I said, well, that's a, those are nice cars. Yeah, there's no shame in a Mercedes-Benz. I said, why don't you get yourself a Mercedes-Benz? And she leaned over in my ear and she says, because Foster says, I'll never have one of them Nazi cars. <laughs> now, Mr. Brooks, as far as I can tell, was not involved in either World War, although he would have been uh, around 30 some odd years old when World War II broke out. One of the other times that I, I got to interact with them on a personal level, uh, we had a Follies dinner down the street on Palm Canyon. And this was probably the New Year's dinner because uh, it was still in the springtime. Or, or you know what? It may have been when we were finally done with those 10 or 12 show weeks, however long they were, I forget. And it meant we had another day off. So we were kind of celebrating that those weeks were over with. And it was one of the Italian restaurants down the street on Palm Canyon. And he proceeded to tell us some stories about some of his friends in the business. And one of his friends that he was very close to was Dean Martin. And he was telling us at the time that Dean wasn't doing very well. And Dean, this was 95. But he also said, you know, when Dean's son was killed, which was back in 1987, his son died in a military plane crash. 
that that really affected Dean Martin greatly. And he said, you know, it's not probably going to be some horrible thing that kills Dean Martin. It's going to be a broken heart that kills Dean Martin because he loved that boy to no end. And I believe that that was his namesake as well. It was Dean Martin Jr. I said, oh, wow, that's really something. And now you have to remember at this time that 1995 was the just the very beginning of the internet. You know, you just had CompuServe and AOL coming into the scene at that time. And we didn't have the internet in our little Rancho Mirage condo yet. That wasn't something we even thought about, really, until actually later in 95, we did. And even if we did have the internet, it wasn't what it is today, where you can just Google something about somebody so quick. So one of the stories he told us was about, well, you know, guys, he always had what looked like a uh, a glass of whiskey and bourbon or whatever in his hand. And that was always apple juice. And to us at the time, that was, wow, we got an inside Hollywood story there from Foster Brooks. Well, now you know that. You can look that up so easily on the internet. But at that time, it was not widely known. I mean, for me especially, all these years that I had watched the Dean Martin roast and the Dean Martin television show and seen Dean Martin in movies and listened to his music, I never knew that fact about Dean Martin. The third one that is <laughs> involved Mr. Brooks, but I don't know how much he knew it involved he and I. One day as we got off the bus, which stopped on the Indian Canyon side, and we, we always walked through the plaza uh, where all those little shops were at, uh, at. And at the time you had a clock shop there. There was a barber shop. There was Lena's, which was a little sandwich shop, sandwich shop. There was an Italian clothing shop, which we are sure to this day was nothing but a front for mobsters. If you ever watch Goodfellas or Casino, then you, those suits, those guys wore, they looked like they came out of that store. It was that kind of a place. And the guys that worked there were those kind of guys. We get there and, you know, the, the usual crowd is always coming in already for the, uh, the patrons and C's candy is right there on the corner. Everybody had to have C's candy. I mean, we used to go to C's candy before the show, after the show. I'm not saying it happened. I'm not saying I did it, but sometimes people might have gone to C's candy in the middle of the show. I don't even know if it's still there or not. So if anybody's in Palm Springs and can let us know uh, in the comments, that'd be great. I'd love to know if they're still there because it's been, I guess, 2014 was the last time I was there. So seven years. And then at that time, we entered the Follies backstage area on the side through that courtyard uh, because there were bungalows back there. And that's where the stars would stay. That's where Mr. Markowitz had his office. That's where the Mercer brothers were at. You entered through the backside there, and then you could go back. You could get backstage. the The door led right to the backstage area. We're we're arriving there. Dave Hall, who was the head of lighting at the time, he's he's arrived as well. He parked across the street, and he's walking in that way. And all of a sudden, we see a kerfuffle. Something's going on, and we see Mister and Missus Brooks. They had just gotten out of their vehicle. We're on the sidewalk. We see a scuffle, and we suddenly see Mister Brooks go down. And our first thought was there was two guys that were scuffling and we, they're trying to rob them. A couple of the guys stayed behind to take care of Mr. Brooks. And Dave Hall decides he's going to apprehend one of these guys that takes off running. I took off running as well. Now at the time I could still haul my weight around. I wasn't overweight and uh, could, could still run a, a nice little clip. And at that time, uh, at the end of Palm Canyon where... Indian Can where it diverged and became Indian Canyon on one side and Palm Canyon on the other. You had a Bank of America on the Follies side and across the street was a record store and I think a bookstore was there as well. Maybe a B. Dalton or something like that. We take off chasing this guy down Palm Canyon. 
And at the time, Palm Canyon wasn't as busy as it was the last time I was in Palm Springs. We're running down Palm Canyon. He crosses the street at some point. We, Dave and I cross the street with him, which now I don't think you could do. There's too much traffic. We cross that street. We're chasing this guy. Dave decides to go up one more street and run parallel while I stayed on the Palm Canyon side. Well, we got to where that record store was at or the bookstore. I forget which this guy, which one it was. Uh, well, there was a record store and a bookstore. And I think this guy went through the bookstore. He, he comes from the Palm Canyon side of the bookstore. So I chase him through that way. Dave is coming back on the backside of the bookstore and there's a parking lot back there. So there's another outlet that way as well. So the guy runs through the bookstore. I chase him through the bookstore. He bursts out the back end and Dave catches him because he just runs right into Dave. We didn't beat the guy. We didn't hurt the guy. We just grabbed the guy. We walked him all the way down Palm Canyon with his arm behind his back as we held on to him. We get back to the Follies and Dan Jardine and Franklin Bradley meet us there. And we're like, guys, here's the guy that, you know, tried to rob Mr. Brooks. And they're like, guys, that's not what happened. Oh, it's not what happened? What happened was these two fellows were in a scuffle with each other, and it just so happened that Mr. Brooks and his wife had gotten out of their vehicle and were walking by them to avoid them or something. It stepped off, he stepped off the curb is what happened, and he, he just fell down on his own. And the guy kept telling us this as, as we were bringing him back, and we're like, no, 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 we saw it, we saw it, which we really didn't see it. We let the guy go. And we never saw that guy again. Although Dave said he knew who he was. He'd seen him hanging around. At that time, you used to have a few guys hanging around that were surly characters. And I have to believe that at some point or another, some of those old folks might have gotten pickpocketed or, you know, robbed when they walked back to their cars at some point. That's probably why in the later days, we had the ushers going out there meeting people. We had a whole force of ushers that were out that parking lot taking care of people, making sure that they were okay. That was just a real joy though, that entire year for me to watch Foster Brooks. And then the really cool thing towards the end of the year, my parents who at that time were retired and they would vacation in different areas of the country. They had been vacationing in Phoenix and decided to come to Palm Springs and spend a couple of weeks in Palm Springs. They got to go to the Follies and they got to see Foster Brooks. My dad was such a huge fan of Foster Brooks. It was a, a real highlight for him. And the other thing about it was it was a real highlight for me because that's when my parents finally kind of went, oh my gosh, all this stuff he's been doing, it's paid off. This is something. This is really big. They saw it before I ever saw what it was. They understood what it was before I ever fully understood what it was. To them, this was a great joy. And kind of once they explain that to me and how they felt when they saw the Follies, that's when things all of a sudden just started kind of clicking over a little bit for me in how big this thing was that we were involved in, how important it was to the people that came to that show. And that was a huge defining moment for me and my time there and what it meant to me going forward. Well, that's it. For this edition of I Worked at the Fabulous Palm Springs Follies, I'm going to tell some J.P. Morgan stuff. Uh, I'll probably combine that with a couple of other things because I don't have as much uh, personal interaction with her as I did Mr. Brooks. Who was your favorite comedian at the Follies? Let's just talk about comedians right now. Who was your favorite comedian at the Follies? We had uh, some great ones that came through there. I don't know those first three years. I don't know who we had for an act those first three years. And I believe it was the next year we had uh, Dave Barry that came in, uh, the older Dave Barry, not the young Dave Barry that was writing books. 
And he was a pleasure to work. He told some fabulous uh, jokes as well. And an Elvis connection with him. Well, that's the end of today's episode. I appreciate each and every one of you that download this and that enjoy it. And we've got things out there. We've got feelers out there. We've sent out some audio clips to some people so that they can start getting back to us in the next few episodes listening, because you're going to hear yourself on an episode probably. And you're going to hear some of your old friends and coworkers, maybe some enemies on the show as well. We're going to start reaching out to you even more. And some of you have already been handed off some things that you need to get back to me on. Do I need to make a punch list for you guys? Just like we would at the Follies. So we keep you on your toes, right? Well, thank you once again for joining me. I'm Steve, and this has been I Worked at the Fabulous Palm Springs Follies.